Welcome to In Dark Places. Bet you can't eat just one. Hey, we got a great show this week. We're celebrating the 20th anniversary of the collision between a UFO and a CSX locomotive train. This event supposedly occurred 20 years ago. So we're having a big whoop-de-doo shindig with my buddy Kyle Levin. Here is a look at what's going on in the news. This is Mr. Haunted, your In Dark Places news correspondent with some breaking news. I call this one Kibbles and Bits. Holiday gifts taken from luggage replaced with dog food. This story comes out of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. A woman who returned from a flight to Europe with more than $3,000 worth of gifts in her luggage found the contents gone and replaced with dog food. Gina Sheldon of Portsmouth, New Hampshire also found an old t-shirt and a shaving cream bottle in her bag, WMUR-TV reported Friday. There was a leather jacket I had purchased for my 16-year-old grandson, Sheldon said. I, I had bought these really cute leather wristlet band purses that I had bought to give various family and friends. Sheldon said she spent 11 days in Italy and stopped in Paris for a few days for business on her way home recently. When it goes through the scan and it continues on its journey, it looks like a real luggage product, she said about the objects that ended up in her bag. Sheldon booked her flight through Delta Airlines, but it was operated by Air France. We apologize for this customer's experience, Following Air France Flight 334, Delta told the station in a statement, We have affirmatively connected with our partners at Air France and the customer to find a resolution. I don't know. To me, it just sounds like Miss Sheldon's Miss Fancy Pants with her. I was, I bought a leather jacket for my grandson. And I'm also worried about the dog. You know, all this dog that was supposed to be supplied this food that got onto this luggage what about his food what about his dinner where's fido's breakfast this morning that's what i want to know this is mr haunted back to in dark places regular programming thanks jimmy and i'm being told now jimmy will be back later with a brand new segment here on the show super excited about that Hey, you know what? I've got some news, too. NASA hires 24 theologians, including priests, to prepare humans for possible alien discovery. U.S. Space Agency, NASA, has hired a British priest in a bid to understand how the discovery of extraterrestrials would change the way we see the universe. According to the Daily Mail, Reverend Dr. Andrew Davidson, a priest and theologian, at University of Cambridge is among 24 theologians that have taken part in a NASA sponsored program at 
the Center of Theological Inquiry at Princeton in the United States. The program aims to assess how the world's major religions would react to the news that life exists in worlds beyond our own. As per the media outlet, CTI has described it as building bridges of under-understanding by convening theologians, scientists, scholars, and policymakers to think together and inform public thinking on global concerns. It aims to answer questions such as, where do we draw the line between the human and the alien? And what are the possibilities for sentient life in other places? In a blog post, Reverend Dr. Andrew Davidson said that religious traditions would be an important feature in how humanity would work through any such confirmations of life elsewhere. Because of that, it features as part of NASA's ongoing aim to support work on the societal implications of astrobiology, working with various partner organizations, including the Center of Theological Inquiry at Princeton, Davison added. The British priest revealed that he is now set to publish a book next year titled Astrobiology and Christian Doctrine which notes that the world is getting closer to finding life on other planets. Separately, Carl Pilcher, head of NASA's Astrobiology Institute until 2016, said that the program is considering the implications of applying the tools of the late 20th and early 21st century science to questions that have been considered in religious traditions for hundreds of years. Pilcher added that the possibility of discovering alien life is very high, as there are more than 100 billion galaxies in the universe. And now we got a special treat. Heidi Haunted is here with this week's Cryptid Corner. Take it away, Heidi. Goatman's Bridge was built in 1884 to connect the towns of Alton and Denton in Texas. The bridge first served as a route for riders on horseback. It had later accommodated automobiles. Legend has it that a demon that is half man and half goat haunts the bridge. The story originates from the tale of a black goat farmer named Oscar Washburn. He was known for his quality meat, milk, cheese, and hides. Because of this, he was called the Goat Man. He hung up a sign on the bridge saying, this way to the goat man. Seeing this sign made local Ku Klux Klansmen very angry. In August of 1938, members of the Klan crossed the bridge and took Washburn from his home. They hung a noose on the bridge and tossed him over the side. When the members went to the base of the bridge, the noose was empty. In anger, they charged back to his home and burnt it down with his family still in it. However, this did not lure Washburn back. He never appeared again. Locals say that crossing the bridge at night without headlights or knocking on the bridge three times at midnight brings out the goat man. People have said he interacts with people by grabbing them or throwing rocks at them. Now back to you, Junebug. 
Hey, thank you, Heidi. That was great. At exactly 2.47 a.m. on January 14, 2002, while working a coal train en route from Russell, Kentucky to Shelbyana, our trailing unit and first two cars were severely damaged as we struck an unknown floating or hovering object. I know it was 2.47 because my watch froze and to this day shows that time. Along with my watch, the entire electrical systems on both locomotives went haywire. Approaching a bend near milepost 42 in an area referred to as the Wild Kingdom for the many different types of animals spotted there, my conductor and I saw lights coming from around the way. This ordinarily means another train is coming and we'll pass on the other track. The outlay of this area is this, the river, number one track, number two track, and a straight up mountainside carved out for the laying of these tracks. I killed our lights as to not the blind, the oncoming crew. As we rounded the corner, our onboard computer began to flash in and out. Speed recorder went nuts and both locomotives died. Alarm bells began to ring and that's when we saw the objects, apparently scanning the river for something. The objects, at least three of them, had several searchlights trained there. The first object hovered about 10 to 12 feet above the track. Metallic silver in color with multiple colored lights near the bottom and in the middle. No windows or openings of any kind that we could see. It was approximately 18 to 20 feet in length and probably 10 feet high. With both engines dead as we rounded the corner, we made little noise and the first object did not respond in time. I estimate that we hit the object at 30 miles per hour with 16,000 trilling tons behind us. It clipped the top of our lead unit and then skipped back slicing a chunk out of our trailing unit and first two coal cars. The other objects vanished into thin air. Our emergency brakes had initiated due to the loss of power we stopped approximately a mile and a half or two miles after the impact. Our power restored after we were stopped and we notified our dispatcher located in Jacksonville, Florida of what happened. We were told to inspect the cars to see if they'd hold the rail and try to limp into milepost 60 which used to be the Paintsville yard which is no longer in full operation. We checked everything out and the cab of the rear locomotive was demolished and smoking. The second two cars looked as if they had been hit by a giant hammer but looked like they had hold the rail. We pulled into Paintsville Yard at approximately 5.15 a.m. The huge overhead lights lining the yard were noticeably dark and the only lights came from what we assumed were railroad officials vehicles parked near the end of the track. We pulled to a stop and began unloading our grips off the wounded train. We could hear what sounded like an army of workers immediately tending to our train. 
Vehicle doors slamming, guys running around in weird outfits, and lights glaring from all directions. The one thing missing was railroad officials. A guy named Ferguson shook my hand and asked me to follow him into the old yard office. We did. Once inside, they, and by they I mean I have no idea who these people were, began to ask us hundreds of questions. Then they told us for our own protection we'd be medically tested before we could leave. I asked repeatedly to talk to my road foreman or train master and not only were these requests denied but they confiscated my conductor's cellular phone. Hours later we were led outside the old yard office and the strange things continued to happen. The two locomotives and the cars were removed from the rest of the train we had brought in and my only guess was parked four tracks over under a huge tent-like structure buzzing with activity. We were led off property and told due to national security our silence on this matter would be appreciated. We were then put in a railroad vehicle and taken to Martin, Kentucky where we went through questioning again with railroad officials and were then drug tested. After all this we were sent to Shelbyana where we took rest for eight hours and worked another train back to Russell. Working back we passed by Paintsville. No sign of the engines, cars, tent, people, nothing. Joining us on the show this week is the author of UFO Case Study, Appalachian UFOs, Volume 1 and 2. Here to talk about the 20th anniversary of the CSX train colliding with a UFO. Here is my buddy, Kyle Lovren. Kyle, how's it going? Uh, it's going good. Uh, I'm uh, officially retired from my, <laughs> my day job now, so... Uh, looking forward to that hopefully it's going to give me more time to uh do some ufo investigating and and some more writing and uh you know do some freelancing work and maybe we can get out and do some investigations okay. seems like there's uh, starting to be some good sightings uh all around the, the country again and so uh just uh, but things are going good just winter time it's cold out <laughs> I, I like summer better but you can uh see the sky better this time of year because it seems to be more clear i was out there earlier when i went to see my dad and was noticing how clear the sky is tonight I might be able to see some good stuff tonight yeah for sure and uh congratulations on your retirement by the way i know you've been looking forward to that forever yeah yeah i mean <laughs> you know you work all your life and uh i'm going a little early but i decided uh, it's time to relax and then enjoy life a little bit and uh, gives me more time to do some things that I want to do, like, you know, this UFO paranormal investigating, and uh, I'm still going to do some freelance work for a newspaper or two and make a little extra money on the side. And, but, uh, you know, I don't have to set that alarm. That's that's a nice feeling. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. I hate the alarm clocks. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know, you know, be able to uh, to travel a little more maybe and go 
visit kids and grandkids when I want to. And, you know, don't have to worry about uh, just having vacation time. Now I can have a whole lot of time. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, thanks for saying that. Yeah, this uh, to get into our show here that uh, CSX train case. Uh, if you want, I'll go ahead and tell you how I got heard about it the first time, and I put a bit, wrote about it in my second book, uh, Appalachian Case Study: UFO Sightings in Volume Two. But I was just uh, on the internet doing some uh, research, and a lot of times I would try to find out if there were any sightings or cases in West Virginia, Kentucky, you know, Tennessee, and Appalachia, and that one popped up, and I was like, wow, I hadn't heard about it, and uh, I found a, a, a site that had a report supposedly from the uh, engineer of that train that, that uh, had the collision with the uh, CSX train engine and uh, the UFO there near Paintsville, Kentucky, and and first, I thought, oh, that's a little far-fetched, you know, but the more I read about it and read that, and then I found some other uh, links, and I think I found something on YouTube talking about it, it sounded believable. And uh, so I decided to do a little more research and wrote a chapter about it in uh, Volume 2 of my second UFO book. And, of course, uh, you and I talked about it a little later after that and went over there a couple times uh, trying to find the location of where we thought that the collision occurred, and I think we did find it. Uh, of course, it was a few years after the fact, so we didn't find anything. I know you, if I remember, you had a little Geiger counter and <laughs> tried to pick up a little radioactivity, but you couldn't. But I'm, I'm pretty sure the area that we found there on that uh, rural area, the train tracks, was probably around where that collision happened. And that was uh, it was a pretty fun couple of days for us to, to go do that. I was the same way. I was looking around. Uh, hard to believe that I never heard of it before because me and you have our ear to the ground and stuff like that. And I didn't know nothing about it until I read it in your book and started digging things up and found that report on the National UFO Reporting Center. Yeah. It blew my mind. It's probably one of those cases that they were trying to keep it quiet. Uh, it looked like if, if everything is true on the story that the government came right in and tried to cover it up, and I'm sure that the employees of the train company told their uh, workers not to talk about it, or maybe they were worried about losing their jobs if they did. And You know, the uh, reason we're doing this show, it's the 20th anniversary coming up. January 14th, 2002 is when it uh, occurred, and this is two, uh, 2022 coming up, so that's why we decided to to do the show on the CSX UFO train collision. And, you know, now it's uh, pretty common. You hear it on a lot of uh, blogs and UFO. Other, I, I even saw one on one of the TV shows they mentioned it once on one of the the uh, nationally syndicated UFO shows that they have. They mentioned it on there. So, oh, there's my story. <laughs> Ain't that crazy? It was 2002. It's like, it seems like five years ago when this 20. <laughs> I know, man. Time flies, I tell you crazy that's the way it is i saw that show you're talking about i can't remember what it was uh but i remember i saw that i think it might have been on the travel channel or one of those i think so you know you got it. i watched a couple i tell you t-vote a couple from last night on from the travel channel i hadn't seen and watched them today and they were pretty good it's called ufo witness it's a new one a guy named ben hogan is the host 
he says he's a former uh, federal agent and his grandfather worked for the government and told him about UFOs and he's going around doing some little interviews and documentary sorts for his show and it was it was different you know of course you've got the different ones we've talked about that before uh, history channel travel channel discovery a lot of different ones now it's uh not as a taboo of a topic as it used to be. Yeah, people are starting to open up to it now. It's a good time to be an investigator. Just last year, we we got the government finally admitting that uh, they have investigated it, and the Pentagon spent millions of dollars investigating it. And they call them UAPs, <laughs> for the UFOs now. But uh, you know, it's nice to know that uh, even they've come forward and said, "Yeah, there's something to this," and you've got. Some of the military pilots and others have come forward now, and they're uh, not as afraid to, I guess, lose their job, or or maybe some of them retired and they want to talk about it after the fact, and they're coming forward now. And I think that's been the case for many years that a lot of people were just afraid to talk about it, any sighting or encounter they had, because uh, maybe afraid to lose their job or get in trouble. If there's, you know, anybody that's in the military or working for the government is sworn to secrecy and a lot of this so they have to be real careful that's what I think must have happened on this CSX case there must have been a lot of people sworn to secrecy on that because it was tight lipped and we didn't hear about it until years later so. well, I know you and I both have talked to a couple of people that said that they're sure it happened I was doing a book signing in Huntington West Virginia a few years ago and a guy came up and he was just looking at the book, and he's like, oh, yeah, I work for the railroad down there. I mean, that, that really happened. And, you know, they don't want to go on record, but he was very believable. You know, he said, yeah, I know those guys. And uh, I think you've talked to a couple of people who said the same thing, that they knew people that worked there, maybe even knew the actual uh, engineer and the, the brakeman that were on the train that uh, had the encounter. The YouTube video that we'd had on that uh there's a lot of comments on there. It's hard to tell if the incident really happened or not. It's like a kind of 50-50 shot at it. Some people believe it and some people don't. Exactly. I think some people think, well, if it happened, you know, there would have been more witnesses come forward or more evidence. But, you know, they covered up other things over the years, the Roswell and, you know, uh, many other supposed UFO uh Encounters. I mean, look at the Phoenix Lights from just a few years ago. I mean, that was witnessed by thousands, I guess. There's as large as areas as Phoenix is and the surrounding areas, but they try to cover that up and say it was flares. (laughs) And, uh, you know, but even the governor of the state there, Fife Symington, who's a former military pilot and came forward later and admitted that he had actually seen it himself and that it was a, you know, a actual object. It wasn't flares. That you could, you know, it was blocking out the stars. It was so huge. He looked up and saw it, and so did a lot of other people said that. And, you know, it still reminds me, which we'll do a show on this in the future, the UFO that uh, hundreds of people saw in this area in 2012, daytime sighting. And, you know, when you got that many witnesses and videos and cameras taking pictures of it uh, there's something to it you can't deny it yeah it was such a good report and it's still not really been explained away google tried to take responsibility exactly well even <laughs> mufon came 
in and said, you know, it was a UFO, which is an unidentified flying object. In this case, you didn't have other any other witnesses, supposedly. You know, the area we thought we found that may have been the area where that crash occurred. There was only a couple houses, if you remember. And uh, if they had heard anything, I'm sure they could have got to them and told them not to talk. If they had even been awakened, you know, who knows? It could have been a couple miles away from them, but we walked those tracks. I remember it well. And uh, it was a remote area, as they say out here, the Wild Kingdom, where the, you come around a bend. They saw, I'm sure it looks like around here, a lot of deer and other wildlife. And, uh, and you know, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, that's what you're going to see because a lot of those animals are nocturnal. And the river was right beside of it, so a lot of them will travel down to, to get water. Yep. Or, you know, looking for food from the mountains on the other side of the tracks. It's entirely possible that uh, at 2.47, there's probably not many people awake. Uh, my bunch stays up all night, but usually me, I like to sleep. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in bed at that time, and most people are. You know, the only people who are out are people that have to work third shift, like railroaders or coal miners or uh, law enforcement. You know, if you, if you know, there are some people, if they're up, they're watching TV, playing video games, or on their computer, but, you know, most people out in those rural areas are, you know, they're older folks, probably retired. They're they're in bed by 10 o'clock. The old saying, they go to bed with the chickens, they get up with the chickens. So <laughs> they were probably not awake at that time. And there, there wasn't a lot of traffic on that road either, even in the daytime, let alone at uh, almost 3 o'clock in the morning. So I bet with them living right beside that track, there's probably many nights they hear trains going by and they just don't think nothing of it yeah it's very noisy i mean i grew up by the railroad tracks myself as you know where that was and yeah you we get used to it we'd have people come in visiting they (laughs) jump when they heard it it was like living by an airport and uh, (laughs) you know sometimes the trains can get pretty loud if there's a railroad crossing there they got to blow their horn and uh some of those trains come roaring by pretty fast they can rattle your uh your house, your windows almost feels like a small earthquake, and so and again, they, they could be used to it. But it's definitely a, a interesting case. I mean, I think there's the old saying, "Where there's smoke, there's fire." And uh, I wish uh, maybe somebody would come forward, and uh, there was actually witnesses to this and talk to us. Uh, maybe one day they will. But uh, you know, you can understand at the same time why they wouldn't. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see. I guess it's one of those cases that we may never know the truth. There was one comment on the YouTube video from a guy that worked at the water treatment plant that was nearby the Paintsville railroad yard. He said it was like a thousand yards away from the railroad yard. And I seem to remember him saying that him and some of his co-workers had to have like blood tests and radiation tests and stuff like that oh really like a day or two after the collision there was like some men in black looking dudes that came in and gave them all radiation tests and stuff well yeah why would they test them for those kind of radiation or anything like that if (laughs) there wasn't something that happened normally that's not going to happen not that kind of test anyway. Yeah, that would be uh, pretty confusing to the employees there. Like, what's this all about? Uh, <laughs> I was going to read his comment on the show, and now his comment is mysteriously gone. It's not there. So, 
Did he just go back and delete the comment himself, or did the government try to cover up the evidence? Hmm. With the the cleanup and everything of that collision, it probably would have took hours, but like people waking up at 6 o'clock to go to work or whatever in that little neighborhood, uh, they probably still wouldn't have really thought nothing of the cleanup area. They thought maybe the train had blown a knuckle or something they were working on the train. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the trains are always having problems, so, you know, mechanical issues and so forth. But as it said, it limped into the nearest uh, train yard, and there were people waiting there, and, you know, they covered it up. You know, it wasn't a lot of damage to the train, but it, like it struck the top of it, broke out a window, and it wasn't like it totally disabled it. They were still had power and were able to, to get in there move on up however far the the yard was from the, the collision so it's a it's one of those mysteries and it's a great story here in our Appalachian area that uh, UFOs and with uh, a couple of witnesses anyway and one of those uh, that we're all going to keep an eye out even though it's been 20 years we're hoping more will come out in the future yeah, a lot of these people are probably long retired by now, so hopefully they'll start speaking here soon. Yep. Me and you are about like Fox Mulder. We want to believe, but I wonder, do you think it really happened? Yeah, I do think that something happened. I don't know what, but I think something happened. I believe these people, the engineer and the brakeman, think something happened. I mean, you know, I don't know what. I mean... Somebody told me one time maybe it could have been lightning. Uh, I said, not. It'd be very rare to have lightning in January. <laughs> Although we did have storms here the other morning uh, and New Year's Day, two yeah. hours we had thunderstorms. So I guess it can happen, but that's rare to have those kind of thunderstorms like you do in the summer. So uh, I think something happened, and uh, I wish we could find out for sure. And I wish some eyewitnesses would come forward and uh, contact us and talk to us but uh, we'll go from there and see what happens but there's been a lot of good cases in uh, our region and both southern West Virginia and eastern Kentucky and we uh, hope to keep bringing those stories to the listeners I tend to agree with you I think it probably happened too because it's just too tight-lipped to not be true it's uh if that it, makes you wonder even more so. Yeah, if it wouldn't have ever happened, then it, it wouldn't really be any kind of rumors of it or anything. So there's got to be something to it. Yeah. One of the our former teammates said that her uh, her mom had went to a gas station there in that area the next morning after that happened and said that she just waited out in the car. She was on her way to school or something. She waited out in the car for her mom to come out and is like taking longer than usual. She's like, Mom is always a big talker. She talks to everybody she sees, but this is taking too long. So she <laughs> she came out and was like, What well, took you so long? And uh, like her mom started telling her, like everybody in the store was talking about, it. Hey, did you hear what happened last night? <laughs> well, that tells you right there if there was people in the, the uh, neighborhood community talking about it then that means uh, again like as I said there was smoke there's fire something had to happen yeah I, I think so yep uh, whether it was a UFO or something something's hit the train and caused it to, to act that way and 
and to have all this uh, gossip or rhetoric on the internet for all these years later and you know different people have done stories and like you said YouTube videos and so forth so it's a, it's a good story here's a comment from Buckeye Nation Railroader okay guys I have a friend who worked for the higher ups for CSX from 1995 until 2005 this is what he told me quote when we heard about this incident we launched an investigation into the incident under the cover of darkness we searched the tracks and the surrounding areas for any signs of the crew's encounter with an alien spacecraft on the fourth night of the search I was asked to join the search upon my arrival we saw what looked like soldiers surrounding the area of the impact site one of the guys came up to me he introduced himself as a general well I don't remember what his name was and he asked what we were doing I replied I am searching for wreckage of this collision he responded due to this information being classified and due to our national security I can't tell you what we know I respected this nevertheless our maintenance crew was allowed to inspect the tracks as we were about to pack up and leave one of the soldiers said hey I found something I and the CSX crews wanted to see it but we were denied access since this was the last night of our inspection the general told me not to release the report of our findings with that we both parted ways pretty interesting have you heard any had any good reports lately of uh, from this area everything's been pretty quiet here in the last few months I've not heard much of anything same here I haven't heard much uh, which makes me think it's too quiet sooner or later we're gonna maybe hear more I feel like we're up, coming up on when we're gonna have a maybe another UFO wave sometime in the near future whether it's this summer or or uh, you know in the next couple of months but uh, I feel like uh, we're gonna start having a lot of a lot of sightings for some reason just a gut feeling yeah, I think we're due for it because I wake up every morning while I'm eating my breakfast and junk. I'll check MUFON's website looking for sightings in this area, just anywhere in Appalachian, and I never, I've not been seeing anything good here lately. So, but you I know, uh, as I mentioned before in the past, uh, in our region we've had a lot of sightings uh, not too far from the Paintsville area, uh, 23, as you go down toward uh, Louisa. Kentucky and toward Ashland and then across over into West Virginia, Huntington and back up what we call the Tulsa Highway, US 52 toward uh, Fort Gay and Williamson, Kermit, those areas. But down in on that area, that seems like there's been a lot of sightings. I've had a lot of people contact me in the past with sightings down in that, that area. It's sort of a deserted highway at times. If you travel the Tulsa Highway at night, there's not a. It's a rural road, and not a lot of. I guess some stretches with not a lot of houses, and then nearby there's a state park, Cabway Lingo. Uh, it's called, and I had one guy contact me a few years ago about a daytime sighting him and his family had. Uh, it was a real good. Not a lot of details and stuff, but he was just very believable and uh, had a sighting down there. I know you had a guy you work with that had a sighting near 
I think it was Crum, West Virginia. You and I went down and looked in that area one time on that siding. Yeah, it's uh, Bull, Bull, Road, Bull Run Road or something like that. Uh, River Bend. Yeah, River, River Bend. Bend. But it's, <laughs> yeah, it used to be Bull Mountain is where that was near. And then, yeah, River Bend Road. So, uh, and then, you know, they always say UFOs are attracted to power plants, and you had that coal-fired power plant right down 23 from Louisa. <laughs> I was going to mention For that. years there, and, you know, made me think there's a connection there. Yeah, that whole stretch of road, probably 30, 40 miles or so, there had been a lot of strange happenings going on through there. Yeah, on both sides of uh, the river. You get the big sandy running in eventually into the Ohio River, and you know, I know if, probably about 10 years ago there were sightings in uh, Ashland, Kentucky, which again is not far from there. And it, that made the news too, so. And anytime it makes local news, it makes you think, well, there's something to it, you know, and there's mm-hmm. multiple witnesses. Yeah, I think uh, it's just a matter of time. There's going to be a, another big flap, I believe. Uh, yep, yeah, I hope so. You and I enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got more time to go look and research and hopefully get our cameras and binoculars and videos and <laughs> be ready to go. But, uh, you know, of course we want to see uh, VI witnesses ourselves if possible, but uh, yeah. usually we hear it after the fact and have to go in and but I got lucky and saw the one in uh, October of uh, 2012, so coming up on the 10-year anniversary of that one, we'll have to do a show later this year about that. That's a great story in itself. Yeah, it's insane how fast time goes by. I can't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you did a good little uh, YouTube documentary on that one. Maybe you can uh, put that link on uh, the show sometimes just to whet people's appetite and just say more you know, anniversary show coming up in uh, this year for on this one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Check us out on YouTube, the Appalachian UFO Research Society. I'll have the link in the description. We've got a few decent videos on there. I don't have time to upload nothing lately. Hope to get back to that one day. Yeah, and of course, you've got a Facebook page, same name, Appalachian UFO Research Society. But uh, you and I both have made uh, started to make a lot of contacts uh, with other UFO investigators, uh, not only in uh, our neck of the woods, but uh, all across the country. So we made some good contacts and with some big names. Of course, I got lucky and got to interview and meet the late Stan Friedman, who, as far as I'm concerned, is an icon in UFO investigation and lore, and he, he wrote several books and. Unfortunately, he passed away a couple of years ago, but uh, and I uh, got to talk to him. Uh, got to talk to Sergeant James Peniston, who uh, yeah, was a witness to the uh, Reynolds and Forest case, Air Force Base over in England from the 80s. That's yeah, we just had the favorite cases. And, uh, you know, I got to talk to Travis Walton, who I think was uh, one of the most famous abductee cases ever. That happened in the, the 70s. And, Got to talk to him on the, my telephone, but to continue to uh, stay in touch with him via Facebook, and uh, he's a super guy, and, uh, and that's another great case. So we've branched out not only into in Appalachia, but we've uh, made good contacts with uh, all over the United States. Just had the anniversary of that Rendlesham UFO. Uh, I think it was was it nineteen eighty? Was this the forty second anniversary? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've read, I've got a book on that, and there's been 
couple books, and of course a lot of uh, the UFO shows have touched on that case and talked to uh, Sergeant Peniston and uh, who was as a friend of mine, and then uh, Colonel Halt, who was on the base, and a couple other uh, military police, because that was a nuclear base that they had uh, there in England, and uh, there was, you know, talk about credible witnesses, you know, military, Air Force personnel. Uh, all from a colonel on the base, the sergeant over the military police, and a couple of the other military guards that were there uh, have all come forward over the years and talked about that. And, uh, and it happened over two different nights, and actually about this time of year because it happened around Christmas and uh, New Year's. Uh, during that time, like you said, it's been over 40 years now. I'm a... I'm pretty laid back and easy going all the time, but nothing don't get me madder than watching those shows and they try to debunk that kind of stuff. I start yelling at my TV and stuff all the time. <laughs> yeah, but you got to take it with a grain of salt, as they say. But, uh, you know, say that was I, mean, I know there's some pieces that you can debunk, but, uh, you know, I was watching that uh, show today. I was telling you about a new one called UFO Witness from the Travel Channel. And it... Uh, talked about that uh, near Dulce, Mexico, that uh, policeman, his last name was uh, Sirocco, I think. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, that's from the 60s, and that's a a really good case, and they were talking about J. Allen Hynek, who was uh, over Project Blue Book, and even at that time, he was pretty much paid to debunk any, and that was one before he came out and told everybody he was a believer and he'd had seen UFOs himself that was one case that he said you know this is a credible witness and there's there was evidence there there was imprints and burn marks in the ground where he saw it land and uh, he said it was one of the best cases ever and you got you know they've got uh, still have video or not video but uh, cassette tapes of uh, his uh, interviews the policeman that, that saw that and uh that, uh, that's one of the, another good case. There have been so many good cases with uh, good witnesses and even some evidence. And, and for, you know, people not to believe at all, it, uh, it baffles me. And like I say, I know there's some cases that's been explained and debunked, but uh, not all of them. And we know for a fact that uh, there's been some really good, solid cases. But uh, glad, glad to be back on the show, and uh, we'll... Uh, Hopefully get to do some investigations here in the near future. Keep up the good work. Yeah, I can't thank you enough for coming on again. And, My uh, pleasure. Like you said, give them the links to the to the shows and our sites. If they've got any uh, any sightings, to let us know about it so we can look into it. Or even if it's a past sighting and they've never reported it, but they've got a picture or some information, and uh, tell us about it. We want to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to hear it. If you uh, know anybody... Then- has any information on it CSX thing get them in touch with us yeah for sure howdy individuals um, this is Mr. Haunted here for In Dark Places news team I wanted to share with you this post I saw on the internet this week 
Um, we had some crazy weather, especially on the East Coast. So I wanted to share this with you. So Brandon, we'll call him Brandon M., posted, So they really close school tomorrow? Unfortunately, Brandon made the mistake of spelling close, C-L-O-T-H-E-S. That was, of course, the um, the cry to have the grammar police of the internet attack Brandon M. So here's some of the responses to that one. They shirt it down. Jaden Jack writes, that socks. Carissa wrote, I was underwear of this. Kimberly Shore wrote, is it because of the sweater? Aggie says, I think this is because there will be a coat on the roads. Paula says, teas are great. Some jerk wrote, I have a vested interest in this post. Might have been me. uh, Amy Liz wrote, great. I will have to scrape off my cardigan. I have a couple more. Um, Brandon writes, they announced it right away. They didn't skirt the issue. And Lyle Richardson's happy because, great, now I don't have to scarf down my breakfast tomorrow. And some other jerk wrote, we should run to Cumberbund for some snacks before it gets really bad. This is Mr. Haunted for In Dark Places Weird News Stories. Thank you. There he is, Jimmy Haunted. With a brand new segment here on the show. Weird news. Well, that's just about going to do it for our big 20th anniversary whoop de doo shindig a palooza thon for the CSX colliding with a UFO. Thanks for tuning in again this week. If you have any information about the CSX train hitting a UFO, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email. In Dark Places Pod at hotmail.com. Be sure to check out the Appalachian UFO Research Society over on Facebook. I want to thank Kyle Lovern again for being on the show. Thanks, Jimmy and Heidi Haunted. We'll see you again next week. God bless you guys.